listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Thank you for listening anywhere you are on planet Earth, anywhere you are across the United States of America. We have important information to give you, information that will literally set you free, and the information will change the direction of your life if you pay close attention to it and if you uh, put into action that which we are sharing. Now, what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about for beginners, Deuteronomy 28, which is also known as the blessings and the curses chapter. Now, before I get into it, I just want to take a quick moment to clarify something. Because of uh, very bad Bible teaching that occurred a number of decades ago, and it fell under the category of the uh, faith movement or the hyper-faith movement, or in a derogatory sense, it was called the Name It and Claim It movement and, and other derogatory names. Now, the problem with that, that theological movement, as is the problem with any theological movement that goes astray, is that it started out to whatever degree, based on the Bible and a biblical platform. And so there was a certain amount of blessing that God poured out because people honored his word to varying degrees. But what is often the case in those situations is that when time goes by, people drift from the authority of the word of God. People drift from following the Word of God uh, directly, and people begin to detour away from the essential truths of the Word of God. And when that happens, and it happens on a cyclical basis throughout the history of the Church, beginning in the book of Acts, this, this propensity for spiritual error continues to surface and recycle and manifest itself, and then it's chased away, and then it'll come back at, at some point. So I want to acknowledge that I have never been a subscriber to the uh, health and wealth gospel, the hyper-faith movement, and, and some of those theological, but also unfortunately tangential, uh, departures from rightly dividing the Word of God. So, if we want God's blessing, we have to make sure that we're rightly dividing the Word of God, which means that we are interpreting the Word of God with precision. We're we're understanding, we're teaching, we're absorbing the Word of God with precision. And that's, that's the most important point. If we're interpreting the Word of God and we lack precision, we get into all kinds of spiritual eras, which ultimately will bring about our downfall and the downfall of a nation or a group of Christians. So, for example, what happened in the uh, faith movement is that man's propensity for greed, for lust, for material acquisition began to take over women's hearts and men's hearts, and it, it became perverted. 
it, it, it moved from beyond simply looking to God to be the source of your needs and blessings, and it traveled over into the spiritual era area where you begin to become obsessed with being materialistic, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, all those derogatory terms uh, describe this hyper-faith movement. That is not what I'm talking about. So I want to move on from there, because to to spend any more time uh, on that would be to, number one, bore you, and, and, and number two, that's not what we're dealing with here. We're in a different time zone, and the time zone we're in, let's just simply call the time zone we're in, the post or present coronavirus uh, era. That's essentially where we are, politically, economically, theologically, and even militarily in terms of mass surveillance or whatever. We're in the, the present or the past coronavirus era. So. These are the questions I want to ask you, and I want to encourage you to ask these questions to yourself, because these questions are a matter of life or death. That's how important they are. So, for example, the question would be, given all the negative circumstances that seem to be opposing God's people on on many levels, does that negate the power of God, does that negate God's ability to make you an overcomer, does that negate God's ability to make you more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus? And the answer should be yes or no. So let's not pontificate, let's get right down to the nitty-gritty and ask ourselves the question, given the present level of adversity towards Christians, towards the body of Christ in our society, and so on and so forth, does this present level of difficulty, of challenge, of problems, does the present level of difficulty negate the possibility of God's supernatural power coming down from heaven in an extraordinary sense? and tearing down the strongholds that are opposing us, our ministries, our finances, our children, and so on and so forth. Does the present level of blowback um, hinder us from possessing the promised land that God called us to possess before we were born? And the answer, I think you would agree, is Absolutely not. None of this stuff, no matter how intense the media makes it, and let's let's not make any mistakes here, the mass media has a big-time investment in magnifying the level of problems we're experiencing. The the present mainstream media uh, is connected to is energizing the level of difficulty, the level of problems, and the level of uh, spiritual conflict encounters that we're presently experiencing. 
So what do we do with all this? How do we analyze it? How do we finalize it? And most importantly, after we've finalized it, and by that I mean after we've processed these elements through our mind, what do we do with them? What's the takeaway? Okay, so the takeaway is this. God's people have always had uh, adversity, opposition, and conflict since the beginning of the church. This time is no different. In every time period since the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost, God's people, the Church of Jesus Christ, has always been engaged in, to varying degrees, an escalated level of spiritual conflict. God's people are always involved in waging war, spiritual war, of course, in waging spiritual war against the demonic powers, the principalities and powers, and uh, wicked, uh, wickedness in high places. God's people have always had to deal with that. And furthermore, the more you study of the Word of God and the more you study history in relationship to the Word of God, the more you discover that just before a massive spiritual breakthrough occurs, just before massive spiritual revival occurs, and just before um, an out, a, a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurs, in all these occasions and situations, there is always a period, only known to God, there's always a period of an extended spiritual battle between you, other believers who are, or who are forced to grow in Christ because they're forced to uh, utilize the weapons of your warfare that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So the successive pattern of teaching that we're to embrace is this. At a certain time period, before you uh, engage in spiritual battle, before you begin to appropriate the weapons of your warfare that are mighty through God to the pulling down strongholds, before all of that occurs, there is a season in which God will force you, through circumstances, to develop your faith to develop your skills as a spiritual warrior, to develop your uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, to learn how to master walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say that one again. God will allow circumstances to rise up in your life that will force you to master the supernatural power of God that he's placed in your life, you will be in life forced to face down your spiritual enemies. You will be forced to master um, your management of the supernatural dunamis power of God. And so when we look at the history of the supernatural church of Jesus Christ, 
and, and why the supernatural church of Jesus Christ is so powerful and so dangerous to the powers of darkness is that the true supernatural power of Jesus Christ always begins to operate at its highest level when it discards uh, fleshly weapons, human weapons, human resources, fleshly resources, when believers in Jesus Christ are forced to jettison those uh, materialistic and fleshly resources, and then uh, through habit, through training, through discipline, you, you then move into an area where you have disciplined yourself uh, by the Word of God, and you have practice, because practice births a precision in spiritual warfare. In other words, there are a lot of believers in Jesus Christ that only master a minimal level of spiritual warfare. And so, because they've only mastered a minimal level of spiritual warfare, they are relegated to the status of fighting always to a limited degree uh, spiritual warfare. You, you never seem to be released by God to let it rip, to let it fly and to truly know what it means. And this is what God wants for you. Let's quit beating around the bush. What God truly wants for you is for you to learn how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit with such authority and power and grace and the ability to manage that power and grace so that you become essentially what could be described as a weaponized Christian. Now, I'm not, when I say a weaponized Christian, I'm not talking about a Christian who, who negates the premise that you're fighting a law-abiding, peaceful, spiritual war where you're using uh, law-abiding and peaceful spiritual weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities, the powers, the dark unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So here we are in America, and the church, by God's design, God has allowed the church of Jesus Christ to be pressed up against the walls. And God is forcing the church to engage in high-level spiritual warfare and learning to use the weapons of your warfare that are mighty uh, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's where we are. So, what is happening in the landscape of America and the landscape of your life? What is happening is you are thrown in the midst of turmoil conflict, spiritual warfare, spiritual battle that ranges between the the medium to the intense. And God is developing you incrementally, step by step, in all these uh, spiritual battles. God is training you and teaching you 
incessantly, by the way, incessantly, so that you, when you emerge from the training that God is putting you through, that you become a highly adept spiritual warrior. Now, that's not just a spiritual warrior. A highly adept spiritual warrior is a spiritual warrior that knows how to use their spiritual weapons with a very high degree of expertise, such as using the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, such as using your prayers of binding and loosing, such as uh, knowing how to use your authority in Jesus Christ so that you can command the demonic powers to be stopped, or you can command the resources and the angelic armies to be released. You have that authority in your mouth, and you have that authority in your spirit. And God is waiting for you to step up to the plate and use it, because nations depend upon it, lives depend upon it, and whether you and I are going to see victory like we've never seen it before in the midst of this battle, whether or not we're going to experience victory or whether or not we're going to experience a succession of failures and defeat is up to you and it's up to me and it's up to God. And it all comes down to this. How badly do you want victory? How badly do you desire victory? And to what degree are you willing to pay the price by studying and learning how to practice the use of the Word of God so that you become a formidable spiritual warrior. So that's where we are in America. If we look at America right now and the rest of the world, we have a choice. We can look at America through the perception of humanism, through the perception of, well, we're winning and losing based on a humanistic evaluation and humanistic criteria. That's one way we can analyze it. The other way we can analyze whether we're winning the warfare or losing the warfare is by analyzing our performance in spiritual warfare, by analyzing the victory that we're able to achieve uh, through intercessory prayer warfare, through fasting, through praying, through binding, through loosing, through using and operating in the gift of faith, uh, by learning to use and operate in uh, the full armor of God. And to the degree that we develop expertise, in this full range of battlefield opportunities is to the degree we will see successive victory or successive defeat. Now let's go back to early America. When America, and and a lot of this that I'm sharing with you right now is in my book, um, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. It's all. It's also in my brand new book, which we're racing to finish up, and it's entitled uh, "Power from On High." And it's also in books like 
in A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, and other books. Now, when you study those books, and, and they're written for the purpose of studying them, the books are not written to entertain you as a Christian. The books are not written to you know tickle your ears as a Christian. They're not written so that you momentarily feel good, but the, in the end, you are you know, taken to the slaughter. That's not the purpose of the books. The purpose of the books uh, are simply this. <clears throat> I've written 37 books. The purpose of all 37 books is to do this in the lives of people like you and me and every believer. And so let me just open up to you for a moment and share with you what the purpose, the real purpose of the books are. Number one, the purpose of the books are to spiritually equip you, to spiritually sharpen up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to, to spiritually infuse you with power from on high. The purpose of the books are to get you battle ready and to make sure that in whatever military theater God places you in, that you will be victorious in that military theater. theater. You will be victorious and you will be an overcomer. Now that's uh, the term military theater is, is, is not my term. That's the term military theater is a term used inside of the military to describe uh, how soldiers win and lose battles dependent upon whether or not they're victorious or not when they're placed in various military theaters. A military theater could be underwater warfare. It could be uh, uh, jet aircraft warfare. A theater is any environment, usually geographical, but it can be spiritual. A theater is any environment in which warfare is conducted. So every kind of military theater uh, brings about its own challenges. And the name of the game, as you're placed into various military theater, is to learn how to be victorious in every single military theater that you're placed in. So when we go back to the founding of America, and this is something you never hear taught in school, you never hear it taught in Christian schools. I'm talking about grammar school, college, universities, high schools. You never hear the following taught, and I'm sure there are some exceptions, and God bless the men and women who are teaching faithfully in those environments of exception. But for the most part, you never hear the full teaching of the truth that should, it should be designed to supernaturally equip you by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, so that you can be uh, an overcomer and victorious in Christ Jesus in any military theater God sends you into. Okay, so here we are. And I think most of us would agree, we're in the last days, to varying degrees. 
And so we're in that all-out spiritual battle time um, that is connected to the other reality, which is we're in the last days. So everything we do is evidence of a last days spiritual battle. Now, that's a reality. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us we're in the last days. Nobody should read the book of Revelation and the Bible. Nobody should walk away with the delusionary uh, explanation that, you know, God has everything under control. His people can fall asleep. His people don't have to be committed or involved in the spiritual battle. If that's your takeaway from studying the Word of God in relationship to spiritual warfare in the last days, then I want to politely remind you, you have entered into an arena of very, very serious spiritual era. A spiritual era so great that there is a strong likelihood that you will be brought like lambs to the slaughter, that you're, you're being fattened up for, for a slaughter. That's the reality of it. Let's not, let's not say it's something other than what it is. So when the Pilgrims and Puritans came to America, and this is in my books, and you need to get my books, and instead of reading some of these, I'm not trying to pick on other people's books, but some of these books that are out there are literally inane. Why are they inane? Because they stupefy your brain. The books that I write are designed to equip you to be engaged and victorious in heavy-duty, life-and-death spiritual warfare. So when the Pilgrims and the Puritans escaped religious persecution in Great Britain, I want to bring, I want to bring out some facts that are critical for you to know if you don't already, and they're critical for you to rethink if you haven't rethought about them already. And here are these all-important critical facts that I want to share with you. Number one, uh, in terms of a critical fact, you are involved in not just spiritual warfare, you're involved in the highest level spiritual warfare that there is, because the spiritual warfare you're engaged in is a spiritual warfare connected to the last days and connected to Bible prophecy and connected to the last days and spiritual warfare in Bible prophecy. So what happened in America, and this is critical to understand, and it's written about extensively in my books, not to tickle your ears, not to entertain you, but to, to nourish you with the, the meat of God's Word. So you're armed and dangerous in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. The goal for God, in, in terms of His development program for you, is to make you armed and dangerous. It is not to make you silly and pretentious. And I think you and I would agree. So, this is what God is doing in our lives. He knows we're in the last days. 
the spiritual battles will escalate. They're escalating even now. But God doesn't want to give us over to the wolves. God wants to build us up in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And God wants to continuously train us and retrain us until we are so armed and dangerous in the power of the Spirit and in, in the handling of God's Word that when we engage in a spiritual battle of any kind, we, the outcome will always be that we're overcomers and that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So in America right now, we are surrounded. The high-velocity military cannons are just relentlessly pounding the atmosphere with high explosive charges that are deafening uh, God's troops, that that are sending shock and awe into into God's troops. And the only way we can push through and conquer the enemy in such a totally hostile military theater is to get back to basics get back to the commitments we made when we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, and to make sure as we examine in our hearts, to make sure that this is the case for each one of us, that each one of us are solidly committed as troopers in Jesus Christ. And we have no retreat and no surrender. We only can march forward and win victory after victory. So, let's open it up. When the pilgrims and Puritans came here, they came here to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ among the Americas. Pilgrims and Puritans came here in the 1600s and preached the gospel, converted it to Indians, and uh, began to build a biblically-based society in the Americas. And that was to be uh, a society which was like a, a light on, on a hill, uh, uh, a light on a candlestick. The city of God that the pilgrims and Puritans were called by God to build in America was supposed to be uh, a community of spirit-filled, uh, Word of God-loving believers that were daily developing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and daily developing in spiritual warfare. Now, what happened simultaneously with the Pilgrims and Puritans is that, along with the Bible-believing Pilgrims and Puritans invading America, there were infiltrators. There were large, large numbers of infiltrators who mixed in and infiltrated into uh, the camps of people who pretended to be uh, uh, true Christians. They pretended to be Bible-believing pilgrims. They pretended to be uh, Bible-believing Puritans and Christians, but they were faking it. They were wolves in sheep's clothing. So as the colonies of God and the Bible were were established all up and down the East Coast, 
the true people of God, the true disciples of God, had already been infiltrated with imposters. Who were these imposters? Well, the imposters were all the men and women who originated in Great Britain, and all these men and women were were members of secret occult satanic societies that they were committed to in Great Britain. So, these members of secret occultic societies infiltrated in the midst of the true pilgrims and the true Puritans, and they brought with them their satanic doctrines, their satanic rituals, their satanic practices. For example, the Rosicrucian movement, which was even today one of the world's most powerful satanic and occult movements in the world, the leaders of the Rosicrucian movement, some of them quite famous, like Sir Francis Bacon, like um, uh, Sir John Dee. Sir John Dee and Sir Francis Bacon were brilliant intellectuals, brilliant scientists who, who snuck in in the middle of the Pilgrims and Puritans. But they brought with them another religion, another gospel, because at its essence, Rosicrucianism is Luciferianism or Satanism. And that's what they were really practicing. And so the other thing that you have to understand, because knowledge is power, the um, followers of Sir Francis Bacon and Sir John Dee, when they were back in England, both of them publicly were known as some of the most brilliant scientists ever to live. They were known to be genius scientists, but at the same time, they were known to be genius scientists. They were simultaneously secret high-level leaders and secret practitioners of the occult. So, one of the things they did besides practice the satanic rituals of the secret occult uh, societies, the other thing they did is that they, um, Sir John D. first, and then he taught Sir Francis Bacon, they learned how to, through occult practices, they learned how to uh, teach themselves the vocabulary of the Enochian fallen angel language. This is heavy stuff, and I, I need you to lock in with me on this. This is not a peripheral issue. This is an explanation of the new aeon we're about to, we are entering. And aeon is spelled A-E-O-N. And it was coined by uh, for, uh, Sir Aleister Crowley, the great Satanist. The new aeon, A-E-O-N. And what they taught themselves in this new aeon, publicly they were scientists, publicly they were humanists, but privately they were deep disciples of the occult and Satanism and Luciferianism and all kinds of stuff. And they taught themselves all the vocabulary of of the Enochian fallen angels. So they learned how to speak fluently the, the language of the fallen angels. They learned how to speak fluently 
the language of the Enochian fallen angels. These were the fallen angels that we read about in the book of Enoch, who descended from heaven and mated with human women and produced an interspecies breeding race of females who mated with fallen angels and produced uh, a, a corrupt human DNA. They, in fact, they really weren't human anymore. They weren't human because they had corrupted their DNA with the Enochian fallen angels. In addition to that, as Sir Francis Bacon and Sir, Sir John Dee began to fellowship and communicate with fallen angels, they began to practice hardcore communication using the language of the fallen angels and the Enochian angels. And they spread this satanic gospel all throughout Great Britain, all throughout the Americas. It spread. And what it was, it was another gospel. It wasn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was an entirely another gospel. And so, as they were communicating heavy duty uh, in the Enochian language of the fallen angels, as Sir John Dee and Sir Francis Bacon were communicating to these fallen angels, these Enochian fallen angels were downloading heavy-duty occultic information and plans from the demons themselves. And the Enochian fallen angels and the Enochian demons were, were telling Sir Francis Bacon, they were telling Sir John Dee that they, they were ordered by the, the demonic powers, they were ordered to, to force the Queen of England and her advisors and they were forced to order the generals in the British Empire, they were forced to order all these entities to mobilize, spend money, and then immediately, massively invade um, the Americas on behalf of the Queen of England. And they were told by the Enochian fallen angels to massively invade America, and they were told by the Enochian fallen angels to massively expand the British Empire into the Americas. And on top of that, the fallen angels, the Enochian fallen angels, were commanding John Dee and Sir Francis Bacon. They were explaining to them that America was destined by the demonic powers. America was destined to become the head of the New World Order or the head of the New World Luciferian Order. And then on top of that, the Enochian fallen angels uh, were pressured to communicate to Bacon and Dee that uh, the fallen angels were commanding the British Empire, the fallen angels were commanding the armies of Great Britain to invade the Americas and to capture America so that America would quickly become the head of the New World Order. So here we have, in its simplicity, the the Enochian fallen angels um, driving 
uh, Dee and Bacon and others to have the British Empire expand so that the British Empire would fulfill its occultic destiny, which was to become the head of the uh, uh, the head of the New World Order. And then, secondarily, Dee and Bacon were commanded by the Enochian fallen angels to make America the head of uh, the, the, the New Atlantis. So America had a twofold occultic, demonic, satanic purpose. One, America was supposed to be the head of the New World Order. Number two, America was supposed to be the head of the New Atlantis. And then if you look at the back of the U.S. dollar on the left, you see the pyramid, which is the you know, the occultic pyramid in Babylon, it's the Tower of Babel. You see the all-seeing eye of Lucifer on the pyramid. You see the words New World Order on the base of the pyramid. And then on the right-hand side of the dollar bill, you see the um, symbol. It's not an eagle. It's not a turkey. The 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 great bird on the right-hand side of the back of the U.S. dollar is the legendary occultic phoenix bird. It's the phoenix. The phoenix is a legendary occult bird. And in the legend of the phoenix, the phoenix, which represents the old world order, the phoenix is burned up, representing the destruction and the burning up of the old world order. And then the phoenix comes back to life as the new world order. And as the new world order, it becomes the new Atlantis. So there's a secret occult destiny for America. It becomes the new world order and the new Atlantis. But the new religion of America is the secret occultic. Rosicrucian, Illuminati, uh, New World Order, with the satanic beliefs, the Luciferian beliefs of that Luciferian New World Order and Luciferian um, Phoenix, which represents the old world order that's burned up and comes back to life. All of this is underground and in the background of the founding of the United States. It's not an accident the Illuminati was formed in 1776. Now, where does that bring us today? Now, I explain all of this in great detail in my books, Power from on High, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, um, Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2. I explain all of this. So here's the deal, and here's the message that the Lord put in my heart. The Lord set my heart on fire to share this message with his people. And therefore, as the Lord sets me on fire now, I am sharing with you, as the Lord sets me on fire, power from one eye, I am sharing with you the secret occult battle for America, the New World Order, and the New Atlantis 
which is currently raging on planet Earth. So where does this take us? Okay, the next step, it's not hidden from you. The next step is that the New World Order, the New Atlantis, Rosicrucianism, the Illuminati, and all these occult secret societies are flourishing and using occult science, occult principles to attempt to prosper America. The whole global reset, and I need you to track with me on this, the global reset that's happening in America and around the world is a work of satanic, Luciferian darkness. Make no mistake about it. Why? Because Klaus Schwab and the Rosicrucians and the Luciferians that are all making the global reset happen, they have gathered together under the, the, the guidance of Lucifer to establish their new world order. And what is the new world order? Well, the new world order is a continuation of the implementation of the old world order. So what were the major features of the old world order? God gives it to us. God gives us a secret download, if we'll seek his face, and God opens his word up to us, and he explains to us the secrets of the old world order, the new world order, the new Atlantis, the Rosicrucians, and the temporary system known as Mystery Babylon. So let's play some quick hardball here so that we can totally understand this, not to entertain us, but for the purpose that knowledge is power. And God wants his people, for crying out loud, to quit being weak, retreatist, whimpering, and afraid. That is not the will for God's people. The will for God's people is that God Almighty, the only God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he wants to individually clothe every one of his people with power from on high, which means the dunamis, the dynamite explosive power of God, so that we can win this war aggressively, the war that we are currently waging with the fallen angels and the principalities and powers. God wants us to put an end to that war and defeat all these entities. So, what happens? We learn by reading the account of ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. That's where Mystery Babylon originated. We learn that God Almighty, The purpose of ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel, its original purpose was to become the world's first new world order with the world's first one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system. That's the primary foundational purpose of the new world order in ancient Babylon. It's to be a one world government, a one world religion, and a one world economic system. So God comes down from heaven and he judges the original New World Order by splitting their language into hundreds of different languages. He judges them by by depriving them of their Luciferian power and wisdom. And then God judges them 
by confusing the language of all the peoples of ancient Babylon. God judges them by confusing uh, their economic system, their language, and by confusing uh, the false unity that they've entered into. So right now, if we were to go back to ancient Babylon, it, it is living under a falsified unity where it's pretending to be as one, but it's not one. <clears throat> it's, it's separated, it's fractured, it's warring among itself, and God confuses its language so that they can't understand one another. <clears throat> so the original and first New World Order takes place in ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. God judges it and scatters the people into all the nations of the earth. Then in phase two, God, this is thousands of years later, God settles America and God begins through his Luciferian agents like the Rosicrucians, like the occultists and the Satanists, like the uh, <clears throat> people who are practitioners of the occult arts or the dark arts. God begins to build. Well, first God destroys the old world order, and then God begins to build the new world order. And that means he begins to build the new aeon, A-E-O-N, which means the new era. What era? The new Luciferian satanic era. <clears throat> and this, this Babylon system is a manifestation of the temporary world system built by Lucifer. So, <clears throat> the Luciferians have infiltrated America. They've penetrated America. And they have gone to the tops of government. They've erected monuments and uh, structures and symbols all over the nation that represent the ancient occult religion of, of uh, uh, Semiramis and uh, the husband of Semiramis, who was Nimrod. And all every time you see one of those giant architectural structures of a phallic symbol and a woman's womb, which is the case of the of the uh, ancient Tower of Babel being a phallic symbol, uh, Vatican City being a phallic symbol, and next to the phallic symbol you have a womb structure. The womb structure is uh, the, the, the nation's capital, and any round womb structured like building or temple. So the, Rus the Luciferians are moving in high, high speed because the Luciferians and the Rosicrucians and the Illuminati, they all believe, for the most part, in the establishment of the Satanic New World Order. They all believe, for the most part, in uh, uh, Christ and the Antichrist and Armageddon and the demonic armies waging war with the uh, uh, angelic armies. They, they, they believe in that. And so in America right now, the global reset is just 
the new world under a new world order under a different name. The global reset is nothing more than the old world order and the one world government, the one world religion, and the one world economic system <coughs> uh, built to function as a Luciferian new world order. That's all it is. And then finally, the global reset is nothing more than an imitation of the old order, the new world order. And notice that the global reset, it contains the key features, such as it has a one world government, a one world religion, and a one world economic system. And Lucifer, or Satan, is the head of the new world order. And the new world order is put together by the fallen angel, the fallen angel angelic armies, using their science slash occultism or their their supernatural demonic power. They're using it on their behalf to establish their satanic new world order. And they call this satanic new world order boastfully the unfinished work. And and why do they call it the unfinished work? Because when you look at the back of the U.S. dollar, you see an unfinished pyramid with the all-seeing eye of Horus or the all-seeing eye of Lucifer towards the top. It's obvious that the pyramidal pyramidal structure with Satan's eye towards the top represents the the great unfinished work that the Rosicrucians, the Illuminati, and other occultists believe in. They believe that it's their destiny, it's their call by Satan to complete this unfinished work of Lucifer. And so that's where we are. Now, America, as I was writing my book today, and I've been writing it every day because I know it's late and I want to get it out to you as soon as I can. Thank you for your patience. I was reading documentation of the plans of Sir uh, Francis Bacon, Sir John Dee, the Rosicrucians, the Illuminati, and others. I was reading their detailed plans. And then I happened to come across, in a succession of their evil plans, I happened to come across a 1969 document written by these powerful occult secret societies And in this 1969 document, they openly admit and openly disclose that their plans for America and the American educational system and the American school system, they have a whole bunch of plans. And one of their primary plans that they have for our school children is to aggressively promote the most filthy, quadruple X, hardcore pornography in video form, in picture form, in written form, and yes, even in physical demonstration form. Their goal, their agenda is to penetrate the entire educational system beginning in kindergarten with the most vile, pornographic, filthy uh, stuff that there is. That's their goal. And so in this 1969 book, 
this guy who was an insider of the of the of the Rosicrucian plan, the occult plan, this guy who was an insider comes right out and says that their goal is to destroy anything of Christ, anything of morality, pr- promote hyper immorality, promote the ultimate de- degeneracy, and totally destroy our sexual morality, totally destroy our traditional marriage structure, totally destroy the very fabric of American decency, American society, American Christian values. Their goal is to gut it and destroy it and massacre it and bury it in the means that I just talked about. Now, when you look at the current kindergarten to college and grammar school and middle school, etc., when you look at the curriculum they're teaching the students now, it is the most ultra-pornographic series of videos and pictures and, and drawing lessons and interactive sessions you can participate in. It is, I'm telling you, if you haven't seen it, and I'm not telling you to see it because it's disgusting, but I'm telling you, it is completely, it is completely out there. It, it is nothing less than somebody sticking a nuclear bomb of immorality right in the middle of the hearts and minds of school kids. That's what it is. And see, normally you wouldn't be able to make sense of all that, but since I've shared with you their documented, written-down game plan of what they plan to do, now you know what their game is. All of this was planned way back in the time of the Rosicrucians, Sir Francis Bacon, it was all planned way back then. They planned to utterly destroy America's Judeo-Christian uh, biblical moral structure. They planned to destroy it in the 1600s, to massacre it. And they're right on course. They're right on course. And you say, why? Why would they want to do this? Because their end game is bigger than just this. Their end game is to t- so totally destroy America's marriage system, its moral system, its moral sexual value system. Their end game is to totally wipe it out, annihilate it, and destroy it, and burn it to the ground. That's their goal. Their goal is to usher in and teach and get and normalize occultism, Satanism, Luciferianism, and every other evil under the sun. That is their goal. That is their goal. So that brings us right up to the present moment. The Global Reset also has in their dark, hidden list of perverse agenda, uh, the Global Reset also has written down the exact same uh, level of goals They have on paper the exact same outline of goals, and they, too, fully intend to use their power, their total control over the United Nations, to totally wipe out Christian America as we know it. You say, why? 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 You have to understand their hearts. In their heart of hearts, they pathologically hate. 
with a satanic hatred. They pathologically hate anything to do with Christ, Christianity, purity, morality, decency, virginity, holiness. They pathologically despise all of it because it reminds them of Christ, and they are totally being dominated by the spirit of Antichrist. Totally dominated by the spirit of Antichrist. So, now we flip to the final phase. This is written about by all their leaders, all their writers, or all their spiritual leaders. It's, everything I'm telling you has been written down. It's documented. I'm not making it up. If you think I'm making it up, then I challenge you to read for yourself, and you will come into agreement with me. Here's the bottom line that you've got to accept, because it's true. There's documentation. The bottom line is that their ultimate endgame is to bring in what is known as the Satanic New World Order. Their endgame is to bring in uh, what is known as the Satanic or Luciferian Global Reset. Their total endgame is to totally annihilate, destroy, and wipe out every vestige of Christianity and holiness that exists anywhere in our nation. That's their endgame. And then, the final coup d'etat, and they fully intend on doing this. If you think for one moment that they don't fully intend to, to follow all of this up with a military police state response, you're deluded. They fully intend to bring all of this in by force, and they fully intend to bring about a Luciferian, immoral revolution of, of such excess in power, the world has never seen it before. The world has seen little tastes of this before, such as in the French Revolution and other communist revolutions, where they just let immorality and Satanism rip. That's happened before. But what's about to happen, at the level that it's about to happen, has never happened before in human history. So, this brings us to, to where the Bible says it will bring us. This brings us to the end of the age. This brings us to the final war between Christ and Antichrist. This brings us to the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Even they believe in the Antichrist, etc., etc. They want to unleash the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They want to unleash um, the, the riders on the different horses. They want to unleash the, the seven-year tribulation period. And then they want to unleash the, the coming of the Antichrist. Um, and with the coming of the Antichrist, they're going to offer to every man and woman, through a DNA chip implant or a microchip implant, they're going to offer to every man and woman a nanochip or DNA chip implant where people will either accept it and then they'll be allowed to buy and sell in the satanic economic system 
or if they refuse to accept it, then they won't be allowed to participate in the uh, economic system. And if they choose to participate, they will receive the mandatory nanochip DNA chip implant, which will allow them to buy or sell and bank and, and get their pension and participate in the economic system. The price tag for doing that, though, is you are going to have to refuse uh, to accept the mark of the beast, and you're going to have to choose to worship the Antichrist as God. Otherwise, you will be sent into the lake of fire, and otherwise, your head will literally be chopped off and you will not be allowed to buy or sell. This is what is coming down the road very quickly. Now, one final warning, and it's, it's, it's a warning of the utmost importance. So let me share it with you as quickly as I can. Their genetic scientists, many of whom are Luciferians, are already creating synthetic DNA artificial DNA, which simply means their scientists are creating DNA that is totally synthetic, and the people who who get this uh, uh, synthetic DNA jabbed into them will um, um, have what they call synthetic DNA or non-human DNA. So if you have non-human DNA, if you have synthetic DNA or the synth DNA, genetically and on a DNA level, you are no longer a human being. And God's ultimate rule is that only a genetically or a DNA solid person made with real human DNA Only a person with real human DNA can um, be saved. Because somebody with real human DNA is a a product of the, the genetic creation of God. All those people will be allowed to be saved. All those people will be allowed to be born again and receive eternal life. But all those people, let's say 50% of the people, All the rest of the people who refuse uh, to to receive the the synthetic DNA, the non-human DNA, all of those people uh, cannot be saved. Because the Bible emphatically says that salvation is only available to those people who are genetically human beings. If you are not genetically a human being, you cannot be saved. It's a law of God. Just like when the fallen angels mated with the human women and they produced a hybrid species, which was a mixture of fallen angel human DNA mixed with uh, human DNA, which adds up to being non-human DNA. Those non-human DNA people cannot be saved. 
They cannot be saved. They cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That's the law of God. That's how protective God is of things like DNA. They cannot be saved. So, at this point in history, you have to ask yourself, what does God want me to do? According to the Bible, what does God want me to do? God does not want you to break the law. God does not want you to be uh, rioting and, and breaking the law and doing kinds, all kinds of weird and crazy stuff. That's not what God wants you to do. God wants you to engage in the spiritual battle in a law-abiding and peaceful way. It's just that simple. God wants you to abide in the spiritual battle in a law-abiding, peaceful way. And God expects all of his true children not to sit on their posterior, not to hide somewhere, not to, to, to go into retreatism, not to pretend that what is happening is not happening, because that's embracing a lie, that's embracing a delusion. What God wants from his people, he says in his word. And so I'm going to tell you what God expects of you, and he expects of me, he expects of your church, he expects of your pastor, it's from the word of God. God expects you to obey him and his word. God expects you to do this. God expects you to occupy until he comes. That means you're to occupy, exercise spiritual authority until he returns. You are supposed to be managing and ruling the earth in the authority of Jesus Christ. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And so every one of us, and I want to say to you gently and lovingly, you're a mature Christian. You can discern the difference between a false prophet and somebody who's speaking the truth. You can discern the difference between a lie and the truth. God has given you that ability through the Holy Spirit living inside you. God has given you the ability to discern the spirits. God has given you the ability to discern the difference between right and wrong. And I'm telling you, as your brother in Christ, as someone who has been supernaturally called to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ over 40 years ago, I did not call myself into the ministry. God called me into the ministry. And God has called me to speak to his people in the manner of a watchman on the wall and blow the shofar, the trumpet of warning, in these last days. It's, it's, it's a mission from God. So God has called me to speak to his people, people like you. And God has called me to blow the shofar of warning in, 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 in the ways that I can. God has called me to do that. I have a supernatural call to do what I'm doing. And so I'm asking you to obey the Lord. I'm asking you to join with me in obeying the Lord, and I'm asking you to uh, spread this message of God's warning 
of God's shofar, I'm asking you to spread this message far and wide to as many people as you possibly can. And I'm asking you to obey the Lord. And I praise God in my spirit because I know that as I'm speaking to you now, I know that as I'm delivering this message to you now, that a very large percentage of you have decided in your hearts to be obedient to the Lord. You've decided in your hearts to accept the call of the Lord for your life. And I rejoice with you in that. God has promised to take care of his people. God has promised to pour out the power of his Holy Spirit on his people, the ones that are obeying him, and the ones that are doing his will. God has poured out his spirit on you. You have the call of God on you. And so I come to you now as your brother in Christ, and I ask you, at this critical hour in human history, I ask you to join with me in spreading this message as far and wide and as fast as possible, as fast as you possibly can. I I ask you to, to do that now. And so I need your help in doing that. And one way you can do that is pray and ask God what you can give in terms of a financial donation, a contribution, uh, or a gift. And whatever God tells you to get to give, then step out boldly and give, because there's never been a more important time in human history. And then number two, I'm asking you to partner with me in sending the links and sending the videos, the audios, the shows, the website. I'm asking you to join all of our social media lists, etc. We don't sell them to anybody. I'm asking you to do that because you know that the more likes and views you get, the more doors of opportunity you get. So I need your help in that. It helps us multiply the outreach and increase the harvest. And then finally, I'm asking you to engage in serious spiritual warfare for me, my family, and everyone associated with this ministry. We are in enormous spiritual warfare when we do this. I'm not complaining about it to you. I'm simply saying we we are in enormous spiritual warfare, and I'm asking you to pray for me, my family, and this ministry. And that together, yes, we can. We can turn the direction of this nation around. If if enough people would obey the Lord and pick up their cross and follow Jesus, we could make an enormous difference, and an enormous difference in what's happening in this nation. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us.
love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.